The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a first-rate, world-renowned jazz guitarist, singer, songwriter, recording artist. He's the co-host of the one-of-a-kind radio show, Radio Deluxe. John Pizzarelli is joining us. He's a band leader, but he's also an accompanist. He's recorded with some of the great musical legends of all time, Sir Paul McCartney, Michael McDonald, among many others. The John Pizzarelli Trio has just released a studio album. It's called For Centennial Reasons. It's a 100-year salute to Nat King Cole. 2019, of course, is the centenary year of Nat King Cole, 100 years since the great pop and jazz pianist and vocalist's birth. It's a great pleasure to welcome John Pizzarelli. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to be on the show, Paul. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. So, Nat King Cole, just one of the all-time greats of music, in my opinion. What does Nat King Cole mean to you? Well, you know, I would have to say that Nat King Cole is the reason why I do what I do. I thought about a lot of different things that I was wanting to accomplish as a musician when I was between the ages of 16 and 23. And right in the middle of it, of those years, you know, thinking I was going to be sort of like Billy Joel or Peter Frampton or James Taylor or Jackson Brown. I liked that kind of music. I was listening to it all the time between 76 and 83. I got introduced to the music of Nat Cole through a, just a nutty way that it happened. And it was life-changing because I was working also. Like my father said I was the only guy who played jazz to support his rock and roll habit. So... <laughs> I could actually make money working with my father, and then I was writing these pop songs and trying to, you know, cultivate this kind of uh, songwriting thing. And uh, all of a sudden, I stumbled onto these two records. It was like Capitol Records knew I was coming. I got the best of the Nat Cole Trio parts one and two, and um, I was that was a whole different animal for me. I had never heard anything like it. I was not familiar with it. It took me. 21 years to find it, you know, and just went, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. So it really was life-changing. I know this is the third album of yours that pays homage to Nat King Cole. So what made you decide, you know what, we need a third one, let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, the, the very first record in 1983 I had put uh, Straighten Up and Fly Right uh, for Sentimental Reasons and Route 66 were on that record. And the second one had hit that jive jack on it, and this will make you laugh, and Baby Baby all the time. And then I actually made one in 80, in 93 called Dear Mr. Cole with Christian McBride and Benny Green. And that was, uh, that was just a, that particular one, the really first one that you're talking about of the two, was... It was just one of those things where I was in the studio with these two guys who I was like, who are these amazing musicians and why am I with them? They're so good. <laughs> I'm sitting here putting together uh, a Nat Cole playlist. So that was just a one of a kind kind of thing. And then in 99, I made P.S. Mr. Cole with Ray Kennedy and uh, my brother Martin. And that was the working trio. I'd been 
we'd been together that for almost 10 years, I think at that point and thought that was really representative of what we were doing at that time. And I thought now this is a new group, Mike Karn on bass, Conrad Peshkudsky on piano. It's many years removed from my very first record and also still, uh, it's still almost, uh, almost 20 years after the last Nat Cole record. And I found some new things that I liked. And I also felt like I understood the music more. I just had a more of a comfortable way with it. And this group could play, we played the paper moon arrangement, I think better than the other two groups had in the past. And we were ready to just sort of say one more thank you at an important time in, in, uh, Nat Cole's history. I really liked the interpretation of Paper Moon. Oh, thanks. Really it's, it's cool. A, it really is. You know, it's it's a that arrangement is a singular sensation. You know, it's 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 mostly uh, tips its cap to the original arrangement, and the original arrangement is really hard to conquer. And I've been trying to conquer that thing for years. And I was so glad to put that on a record. We really had it the way I felt it was right. And I knew that that was the song, like the, what going back to those records that I mentioned and that as the Nat Cole trio part one and two, I remember the January day I bought those records and I remember bringing them home to my father who was probably 64 or five, uh, not 64, 54 or 55 when we put them on the hi-fi in 1981 and I was 21 years old and there I was at 21 listening for the first time to this group play Paper Moon. And my father was listening back to something he had heard when he was probably 21 or maybe a little younger. And here we were listening to it together, and he kept going, listen to that arrangement. Can you believe that? And so it was, uh, you know, it was just sort of one of those things I felt like I wanted to get that thing right and get it on record right, because it's just a, it's a work of art, that arrangement. How is Bucky Pitch really doing? He's not bad. I mean, for 90, 93, <laughs> he's, he's not bad. He's not playing at the moment, but he's home. And uh, I get to see him whenever I'm not on the road. And I got to play for him last weekend when I saw him. And uh, he's okay. He's, just, he's, uh, he's, he's gotten to be 93, and that's, uh, I think that's an accomplishment. I, I, wish he would, I wish he were playing more, but he's not playing at all right now. But still happy to have him around. He's quite quite an individual. <laughs> <laughs> we were just mentioning Paper Moon a moment ago, and this might be a difficult question, but could you pick a favorite Nat King Cole recording, your favorite track of his? I think, yeah, you know, Paper Moon may be the one for me. It sort of has all the ingredients of what that group is about. So there really is, I remember when I the first time I went to Japan, that they uh, they gave me a they did a blindfold test for one of the uh, Japanese uh, jazz magazines, and I remember, remember they played that record, and I think maybe just to see what my reaction would be to it, and it's still, to me, it's one of the most exciting records. Uh, the second you hear it, it leaps out of the record. So I, it's so, it's such a singular record. It might be one of my favorite Nat Cole things. Something about this album that's unique is that there's some original songs on there. One of them, uh, we got permission to play this one, A Hundred Years From Now, which you co-wrote with Jessica Malaski, who was twice a guest on this show. And I'm hoping you can tell us about that song, A Hundred Years From Now. 
Well, you know, I was thinking about the idea of of living to you know living a hundred years and being in love with somebody and or in love with something, and and that song, I thought you know I'm going to love you a hundred years from now. It's amazing to think that when Nat Cole was born, some you know the, all these people would be so in love with his music and that person for a hundred years, you know. And so I came up with the idea and I, I sketched out a rough draft of the song, and I had an idea for the melody. And I think Jessica wasn't home, and I, t- I remember texting her the uh, the lyric and also my idea of the melody. And I said, "You got to fix this up so it's right." I had the idea of uh, you let me flip flop on the bebop and sang a frim fram and all those kinds of little things. I like the idea, you know those there those early Nat Cole trio records that use that sort of there's sort of that jazz speak, so to say, and. Jessica texted me back with the with a correct said this is the way you can you say everything you want to say put it here I think she came up with Geritol and losing my hair <laughs> and so and then there's a line in the end that talks about Agfa clack and that's a I was going to use the word Kodak but I it wasn't landing right it was going it was it kept landing as Kodak so I I looked up 1950s cameras or 40s and 50s uh, small cameras and there was a camera called the Agfa Clack and I actually bought one so I own one now <laughs> <laughs> and uh, put all these crazy little references I just like love the idea of old references inside of a song that gives it sort of a vintage thing but still the message gets across so we wrote this little song uh, I'm going to love you 100 years from now well right here on the Paul Leslie Hour This is from John Pizzarelli, the album For Centennial Reasons, A Hundred Years From Now. You let me flip flop on the bebop, sang a frim fram, made a vow. It's undeniable, I'll be reliable to love you a hundred years from now. I made my old heart have a new start Razzmatazzed me higher brow Don't need an alibi I'm gonna testify to love you A hundred years from now Well, you gave me that old kickaroo And baby, did I fall A century of loving you Well, who needs You made this old boy feel the Floyd joy More than life should allow Says in my almanac That I am right on track to love you A hundred years from now I was listening earlier today to the album by Paul McCartney, Kisses on the Bottom, which you you played on. Yeah. And it occurs to me, almost all of the great artists of our time, eventually they get around to doing an album of American Songbook. Rod Stewart, Paul McCartney, now Bob Dylan, it's all he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think it is about the American Songbook? That this is so, that eventually all singers find their way over to it. 
You know what I find fascinating is that it has been so successful for those pop artists also to come across the aisle in a sense and sing those songs. Whereas when, you know, I mean, when I originally went across the other way and tried to do a record of Beatles songs, I mean, it was really, the Beatles fans were really like crazed. Why is the, where, why are there jazz versions of Beatles songs? I don't understand. You know, (laughs) it's hilarious that it's taken a while for that record to, to be in a sense, widely accepted. But I think there's something about people want to hear what people have to say about these songs. So it's always interesting. I mean, Paul McCartney, I thought, had a really good take on how he was going to approach that by getting Tommy LaPuma to produce the record and get Diana Krall as a musical director. And really, and Paul was so accepting of what we all had to say about the arrangements and things. Uh, it, It was really smartly done he was sort of like yeah that's a good idea well let's try one where we have the bass let's let john clayton play the intro on this uh let's well maybe a guitar solo would be great here instead of the piano solo what do you think and he was so it was really an organic kind of thing rod stewart's things were completely different with the orchestra and knowing how exactly he wanted that to sound and he made those all those records sound the you know they're really a singular sound that they they got on those records but people love to hear those songs and it's really amazing it's it's been quite quite a, a journey that uh those songs have taken and they they just seem to receive a new life every uh from these pop artists which is fantastic who out there in music singer or instrumentalist would you like to collaborate or a company that you haven't yet i think uh it's a very good question. I've always talked, I love, I love the guitarist Pat Metheny, and I'd always like to do some sort of guitar, jazz guitar duets, some kind of record of standards, or his songs with him as, as duets. I've really enjoyed him. I get to work with Catherine Russell, who's a great vocalist. So that's something that's just happened in the last year that's been really fulfilling, because she's amazing. I get to work with Jessica Malaski, my wife, who... Uh, every year at the Carlisle is such a, an interesting adventure music, musically that uh, we're always coming up with things that we can't believe we're, we're putting together songs in ways that uh, I think is quite unique. So I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. I, uh, I've gotten to work with so many people that I can't believe I made it to those points. I, you know, in your introduction, you mentioned uh, Paul McCartney and Michael McDonald. Uh, I've also gotten to work with uh, James Taylor. It was so exciting working with him and uh, to see him and hear him play the guitar. I would love to do something with him someday. But I got to work with Rosemary Clooney, which was exciting. I got to open for Frank Sinatra. That I could never have guessed that that was going to happen, just to be in the same room as Frank Sinatra and to have met a lot of my heroes along the way. It's been quite exciting. So I, I have to say, at this point in time, I'm I'm pretty lucky and I can't believe, you know, that around the next corner, something else will happen that I couldn't believe was going to happen. Kind of on the same note, at the beginning of the show, I was mentioning Radio Deluxe, the the radio show that you co-host. Mm-hmm. It's such a lively show. I really love it. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's been something that's starting, you know, it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> it's a, I think it's almost 13 years uh, that we've been doing the show and we're very uh we're continually surprised by its uh 
acceptance, I guess. But I mean, in the last five years, especially, we've really, I think, it's starting to settle in. It's like the way radio shows do. People are really starting to discover it more and more. There's a lot more outlets for it to be heard, either terrestrially or on the internet. It's mainly a terrestrial radio show, so that's really great, where there are a lot of pockets around the States and in Canada where people really make it must-listen kind of radio, which is great. What do they call Appointment radio. And I'm really excited about it. I mean, it's literally what we do. You know, it's it's looking at the great American songbook and beyond. So you won't you not only hear Louis Armstrong and Oscar Peterson and Ella Fitzgerald, Nat Cole, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Rosemary Clooney, Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, but you'll also hear all the new people in the last 30 years who've been making these standards uh, recordings like Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan and the people you've mentioned. So, And, and there's so many new people on a day-to-day basis, Cecile McLaren-Salvant, there's the Bill Sharlap trio, Kurt Elling. There's such a great group of people out there making records. Stacey Kent, the Tierney Suttons of the world. It's amazing. Who has dropped by on Radio Deluxe that really knocked you out? They were just a great guest. Well, you know, it's we've had... Uh, Jessica did uh, an interview with Liza Minnelli about... Oh, it's got to be a while ago. That was stunning. That was one of the great interviews. And she also, we've, we had Barbara Cook on a couple of times, a great Broadway singer and actress who was just, you know, the queen of Broadway singers. And those two things, those two interviews that Jessica did with her are, with those two women were stunning, stunningly great things. But we also had Kenny Rankin's two hours with us was was something people are still talking about. He came in with his guitar. He spoke. I said, you want to play? And he played and played and played for about 90 minutes, which was, that was still something people are still talking about that show. And uh, we even had Stephen Holden from the New York Times and Frank Rich from New York Magazine and, uh, or New Yorker, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's just, every show is an adventure. I mean, we had Kurt Elling on when we didn't really know him a night after he worked at Birdland and we became friends ever since that uh, show. He sort of, he, you know, we, we, we were just sort of like going, I think we're friends. <laughs> we just, you know, it's, it was great to, to sit and talk uh, on the radio, but then go, oh, well, you know, let's go out and have a cup of coffee. And, and uh, we've, we've been friends ever since. So it's really been, it's been fun that way, too. We're talking with John Pizzarelli. The John Pizzarelli Trio has just released for Centennial Reasons. 100-Year Salute to Nat King Cole. It's out on Ghostlight Records. For anyone who listens to this new album of yours, what do you want, ideally, for the listener to get from that experience? From this new record? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the, the, it's, there is, I think, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, well, I'm going to have to blow my own horn. I think it's a swinging record. I think it represents a lot of great qualities of jazz in it. And the guitar playing for me has always been something I've been proud of from the rhythm playing to the soul single note playing, you know, the, the, the qualities of guitar playing that my father instilled in me from a very early age are all on that record. And I remember playing it for him and him, he was going, and he didn't know that I was actually playing him this new record. I said, you want to hear this? And he listened to it. He says, you got to, you got to make a record of this because this is good. This is, <laughs> you got to make, you got to put that out right away because you're missing the boat if you don't do that. <laughs> and I really am, 
I really love uh, the recording of Body and Soul. I think it's just really great. Uh, you know, there's an ensemble there, a trio ensemble that is listening. There's the, that's a great quality of that group, and uh, it's recorded so cleanly. I haven't done anything like that in so long. It's been it's the first time that the trio's been in the studio since 2000, I think, or 2000. Yeah, 2000. So it really was, it's a great, group to listen to i think there's something there's a quality there that uh that's joyous and and uh it represents swing jazz i think very well what is the best thing about being john pizzarelli um you know every once in a while you get a free amplifier you get to get (laughs) (laughs) a free amplifier for me is a big deal you know we always talk about you know getting being able to get strings is you know you work hard enough so every once in a while somebody says will you try this and you can have it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think that's fun i mean i i and for me actually you know that's sort of that's just a perk of being who you are but it's nice to get to a level where you're somebody that people think well if this guy uses my guitar or my amplifier it's a big deal i've been lucky to have Bill Mole is a good guitar maker, brilliant guitar maker for almost 20 years. So that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, for me, I've been able to stalk several chefs in New York City who make Italian food and, and uh, get to be able to hone my cooking skills because I have these people who text me back when I'm screwing up recipes, uh, help me out with my cooking. So that's, that's another good thing about being John Pizzarelli. <laughs> and the other thing about being John Pizzarelli is I get to, I get to play... Uh, Route 66 for a living, and that not a lot of people get to be able to do that. You know, it's it's tremendous to have followed my father around for all those years and to still be able to continue to make music like that, to go in a club just the way my dad and I did and the, and the way that I watched my father do it and think, well, this this is a legitimate way to make a living. <laughs> this is a really cool thing. I, I want to be able to walk into a club and plug in my amp and my guitar and go, boom, you know, let's, let's make music for a couple of hours. And I get to do that. And it's really, it's, that's a blessing of the highest order. Anyone out there, they can visit com for more information. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? In general? <laughs> yeah, you can go anywhere. <laughs> well, um, that's a very good question. I don't know how uh, I'm not too wise myself at times, but I think uh, I think you can you can do yourself a favor by listening to. There's something joyous about this music, about jazz music, and I think that's something that'll that'll change your life. Finding finding music you love is so important, no matter what the style of music is, and then going to listen to it live. There's nothing like that. So I think if you were gonna if you wanted something that was really going to enhance your life, it would be to find find music that you really love and go hear it and experience that in a room or a hall or a, or a field somewhere where they're making that music. And uh, there's something great about musical discovery that's uh, life-changing, no matter what your profession is. I think that's a if I was going to impart something on somebody, I'd say go find some go find some music that you love and and go support it because there's there's absolutely nothing like it on the planet. Well, Mr. Piccirilli, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great to have you with us. 
Well, Mr. Leslie, I appreciate your time, and I thank you for uh, letting me impart these uh, crazy words upon your listeners. I'm, I am grateful. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. I'll tell you one thing real quick. Sure. We had a guest on this show one time. Maybe you can guess who this is. And we asked him, who is the nicest person in the music or the music or the entertainment business? And he said, John Pizzarelli. <laughs> well, I can't guess who that would be, but that's, that's very nice. It was a man named Buddy Mora. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I think, you know what, now that you say it, I may have heard him, and you may have asked him, or I remember somebody has asked him once, I heard him on a radio show, and Buddy, for those of you who are listening, Buddy was my manager for many, many years, and one of the great human beings on the planet. He was voted one of the most trusted men in Hollywood. He managed Billy Crystal and Robin Williams, discovered them, and uh, put them both on the map right at the very beginning of their careers and, and uh, guided them through great things, and, but also was a lover of music and always had music acts along the way. And uh, I got a, a gentleman named Brooks Arthur, led me to uh, Buddy. Brooks produced my third album, New Standards, and said, you should have Buddy Mora be your manager. And Buddy and I were, were fast friends, and uh, he did a lot of great things. And one of his great... Gifts to me was getting Don, uh, Don Sebesky in my life. He was a big Don Sebesky fan and friend, and he said, you should have Don Sebesky do some records with you, and he, he made that happen, and that's a gift that keeps on giving. So uh, Buddy Moore is, Buddy Moore is uh, well, is, he's aces. He's the greatest. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, happy trails. Hey, thank you very much, Paul, and thanks, uh, thanks for calling, and, and uh, thanks for putting me on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Until next time. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye.